This edition of the Scumbags Wrestling Podcast is dedicated to the memory of Mean Gene Orkland, who passed away on January 2nd, 2019, at the age of 76. Our thoughts and prayers go out to his family at this time. the same unappreciative crowd full of scumbags from last night. Hello, and welcome to this week's edition of the Scumbags Wrestling Podcast. My name is Sean, coming to you from London, Ontario. Be sure to like, subscribe, and share this podcast however you're listening to it. Whether it's on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. I hope you all had a great New Year's celebration and are ready to get into what 2019 has to bring to us in the wrestling world. On this week's episode, you're going to get information on what's happening with Smash Wrestling, how to vote for their official awards for 2018, and how you can go over to our Facebook page and vote for our Smash Wrestling Awards for 2018. We'll look at the new announcement from AEW Wrestling, get some WWE news, and of course, we'll be giving preview to Wrestle Kingdom 13 and to Impact Wrestling's Homecoming. All this and more coming up on this edition of the Scumbags Wrestling Podcast. I'll be right back after these very short messages. The Signature Spot with Chris Toplack is a weekly podcast available every Thursday that covers the world of professional wrestling. It's an easy-to-digest show that ranges from 30 to 40 minutes in length and focuses on show recaps, highlights from the week, industry news and rumors, full event previews along with predictions, topics of the week, and featured guests such as journalists and fellow podcasters. It's a professional yet personable show that's all about connecting with you. To subscribe, head over to youtube.com forward slash the signature spot or listen on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever podcasts are available. And to be a part of the conversation, like the signature spot on Facebook. You hear the rumble in here? The rumble is the sound of progression, and fundamentals are being made at the Wrestling Factory. This is Tyson Dukes, and you're listening to the Scumbags of Wrestling podcast, y'all. Hello and welcome to this week's episode, and this is your Smash Wrestling Report. Smash Wrestling was wrapping up their 2018 with Smash by the Numbers video that they put on their Facebook page. It's quite the interesting look back at the last 365 days. There was 31 debuts, including Joey Janela, Sue Young, Kiku Taro, Tessa Blanchard, and all the members of the Tyson Dukes Wrestling Factory. The most wins by a male was a tie between Tyson Dukes and Brent Banks with 15. The most wins by a female went to Vanessa Craven with 5. The most matches by a male was Brent Banks with 24. The most matches by a female was Jody Threat with 11. The most losses was a tie between Kevin Bennett and Scotty O'Shea, each having 12. The best winning percentage went to Tyson Dukes with winning 75% of his matches. The most eliminations at the Rec Room Rumble 
was John Greed and Brent Banks, both with four each. The longest time at the Rec Room Rumble was Kobe Durst with 16 minutes and 15 seconds. And the shortest time in the Rec Room Rumble went to Jim Strider with a minute and 46. If you head over to Smash Wrestling's website at smash-wrestling.com or their Facebook page, there's a link to the website there. You can vote for the official Smash Wrestling Awards for 2018. Plus, you can vote for the Scumbags of Wrestling Smash Awards over on our Facebook page with such categories as the Smash Guest Appearance of the Year. Nominees for that are Tessa Blanchard, Matt Riddle, Jeff Cobb, PCO, Jordan Grace, or Joe Hendry. You can vote for the card of the year, whether it's London Vacation, Canusa Classic, Super Showdown 6, Don't Test Karma, The Northern, or Any Given Sunday 6. You can also vote for the villain of the year, whether it's Dylan Andrews, Shane Saber, Sebastian Suave, Scotty O'Shea, Kevin Bennett, or Anthony Kingdom James. There's the most popular vote, whether it's Daniel Garcia, Kevin Blackwood, Psycho Mike Rollins, Tarek, Brent Banks, or Puff. The nominees for the most improved award are Daniel Garcia, The Muscle, Jody Threat, Puff, Holden Albright, or Kevin Blackwood. There's a vote for the Rookies of the Year, all coming from the Tyson Dukes Wrestling Factory, and you can vote for Colt Bowman, Violet Lee, Jim Strider, Kyle Boone, Alec Realm, or Fireball Jordan James. The Tag Team of the Year could either be Halal Beefcake, Kill Screen, The Pillars, Well Oil Machines, The Buffalo Brothers, or Super Smash Brothers. The Female Wrestler of the Year is either going to be Jody Threat, Xander Bale, Casey Spinelli, Jordan Grace, Tessa Blanchard, or Vanessa Craven. And the Male Superstar of the Year could be either Scotty O'Shea, Sebastian Suave, Tarek, Cody Diener, Tyson Dukes, or Brent Banks. Plus, the final two categories are going to be the Smash Feud of the Year, whether it's the Pillars against the Kevin Bennett Experience, Sebastian Suave against Daniel Garcia, Blackwood versus Scotty O'Shea, Sebastian Suave versus Tarek, or the Well Oil Machines taking on the Super Smash Brothers. Plus, there's the match of the year. It could be the Canusa Classic, where Casey Spinelli beat Tessa Blanchard to win the whole thing for Team Canada. could be the Pillars in a fatal four-way for the first time ever in Sarnia at the beginning of the year. Psycho Mike Rollins ending the year against Kiko Taro in a great comedy match. The Boxes, Ladders, and Tables match with the Well-Oiled Machines taking on the Super Smash Brothers from Super Showdown 6. Also at Super Showdown 6 was the Last Man Standing match with Sebastian Suave taking on Tarek. Or December 2nd, right here in London, we had Halal Beefcake, Fight or Flight, and the Pillars in a fantastic three-way match for the tag team titles. Regardless of how you vote, it was a spectacular year for 2018 and Smash Wrestling. You can't pick a loser either way, however you vote. But stop by our Facebook page and make sure your vote is counted. Because on our next episode, just before we go to Heavy is the Head in Kitchener on January 11th, I'm going to announce all the winners of those categories. Speaking of Heavy is the Head, that's the next great event presented by Smash Wrestling coming up on January 11th from Kitchener, Ontario at the Taste of the Tannery. Doors open at 6.30 that night and is supposed to end around 10.30. If their last visit to the Taste of the Tannery is any indication, this will be another amazing taping for the Fight Network. The stage is set for Heavy as the Head in Kitchener where they're going to ring in the new year in a big way. It should be a night of high-flying, hard-hitting, and can't-miss professional wrestling. On that night, you're going to see Sebastian Suave, who's in the midst of his best-of-five series with rival Daniel Garcia, have to shift his focus to another young talent looking to make his mark in Kitchener. 
The muscle already holds a pinfall victory over Swab in his career and vows to do it again on January 11th. Can the endorsement remain focused on the Hangover co-host, or will his series with Red Death prove to be too big of a distraction? As Mike Rollins continues to struggle with his conscience in Smash Wrestling, an old rival once again stands in his path. Kevin Bennett is on a mission to prove he's the top of the talent, not just out of Buffalo, but in all of Smash Wrestling. Can Psycho Mike keep his wits about him long enough to overcome his fierce rival in Kitchener? Killscreen has been wreaking havoc across Smash Wrestling for the better part of 2018, so in 2019, Smash is calling in some backup. Local Kitchener promotion, PWA, is sending their best in Joey Allen, Eazy-E, and Super K to try and put an end to Hacker Scotty O'Shea and Killscreen once and for all. As the heat of rivalry between the Pillars and Halal Beefcake continue to boil, the feud takes a break from tag team action as Tyson Dukes is scheduled to take on Idris Abraham one-on-one, which man will gain momentum for his team in the ongoing battle over the Smash Wrestling Tag Team Championships. Of course, with their respective partners already scheduled to face off in singles action, Joe Coleman and Brent Banks will also meet one-on-one. There was a very physical contest a few weeks ago to close out 2018 between Casey Spinelli and Jody Threat. That's not going to stop them because they're going to kick off 2019 with a rematch, which one of these women will ring in the new year with a victory. And then in the main event, Tarek will defend his Smash Wrestling Championship against John Greed and a former Smash Wrestling Champion in Matt Cross. Remember, that all happens January 11th at the Tannery Event Center, 121 Charles Street, in Kitchener, Ontario. Doors open at 6.30, with a bell time of 7.30. Tickets are still available by going to smash-wrestling.com. The action doesn't slow down after their visit to Kitchener, because they return to the Phoenix in Toronto on January 27th for a 2 p.m. show, any given Sunday 7, filmed for the Fight Network. It's one of the biggest cards of the year and most anticipated ones. Matt Cross returns to the Phoenix in Toronto to take on the Lucha star Ray Horse. Match number four in the best of five series between Sebastian Suave and Daniel Garcia will take place at any given Sunday 7. Will Daniel Garcia be able to tie up the series and force a fifth and deciding match or will Sebastian Suave find a way to take out the young upstart Red Death, and take the series three falls to one. There'll be a three-way tag team match involving the well-known machines, Fight or Flight, and Kill Screen. After what happened last time they were in Toronto, Puff was looking for a measure of payback against John Greed. If Tara can get out of Kitchener still holding on to the Smash Wrestling Championship, he'll defend it against Kevin Bennett. The Pillars will put their Tag Team Championships on the line as they face the Kevin Bennett Experience's Halal Beefcake. Can KEB make a full sweep and walk out of any given Sunday with all the gold? We'll find out. Then, in the main event, in a feud that has lasted well over a year, it's barbed wire hell as Scotty O'Shea faces Kevin Blackwood. It's sure to be one of the most brutal matches in Smash Wrestling history. And you can see it all live and in person at the Phoenix Concert Theater in Toronto on Sunday, January 27th at 2 p.m. With only six days to let the dust settle from any given Sunday 7, Smash Wrestling comes back here to London, Ontario for on February 2nd at the London Music Hall at 6 p.m. as a do a co-branded show with Impact Wrestling entitled Brace for Impact, and it'll be a special live Twitch presentation. Already scheduled to appear at Brace for Impact are OVE, Sammy Callahan, Johnny Impact, Allie, Kevin Blackwood, Casey Spinelli, Tyson Dukes, Tarek, Brent Banks, and Sebastian Suave. All the VIP seating is sold out, but you can still get general admission seatings 
by going to smash-wrestling.com for all the information and get your tickets for these great shows. And this has been your Smash Wrestling Report brought to you by Shockstock coming to the London Ramada at the end of April 2019. Coming April 26th to the 28th at the Ramada Inn, London, Ontario, it's Shockstock. Shockstock is London, Ontario's premier annual horror and subculture con- convention. Each year we bring, for a few short days, the real deal in sleaze, horror, and exploitation with celebrities, events, and vendors who know what the fans want. No insane lineups, no curfews, no problem. Enjoy jam-packed vendor rooms, a full weekend-long film festival with awards and fully stocked bar and lounge with nighttime events on-site and more. Submit your film via Film Freeway at filmfreeway.com shockstock. Presented by London's own Sultans of Slime, Vagrancy Films, The Grim Brothers Entertainment, in association with Fangora, Raven Banner, and of course, Bob's Ultimate Meats. This week I intended to present the best of 2018. However, due to some technical difficulties with our recording, it didn't save and we were not able to present it this week. Hopefully we'll be able to reassemble a roundtable to discuss our views on the best of Smash Wrestling, WWE, and everything else. We had a chance to discuss for over an hour and 45 minutes with David and Daniel on Saturday, but that didn't save, and we have to start again. It was a great discussion, and I'm sure you're going to like what you hear when we come up with our picks, but you can still have your say by going over to our Facebook page and submitting your best of 2018, whether it's the best male, best female, best tag team, best TV show, best card, best feud, best match. Let us know whether it's WWE, Smash, New Japan, Ring of Honor, Impact Wrestling, or anything else that you've been out there seeing. We'd love to hear your input, and it'll help us recompulate our list for our best of show coming up on the next episode. I'm Joshua Pine, and you're listening to the Scumbags of Wrestling Podcast. The big expected announcement involving All Elite Wrestling with Cody Rhodes and the Young Bucks happened on this week's episode of Being the Elite. They had a countdown to the New Year's celebration. Everybody was getting ready, and the Young Bucks and Cody and Hangman Page met outside of the Tokyo Dome when their timers clicked down to zero. SoCal Unlimited were also getting ready for the big announcement and preparing as their phones were going off too. However, when all four men, Paige, Young Bucks, and Cody met outside the Tokyo Dome and their timer went down to zero, there was nothing to announce. They were like, wow, all this hype for nothing? They walked away, but a couple seconds later, they got a message. And they all gathered again, and you could see the Young Bucks and Cody's phone all had a picture saying, Double or nothing. Page got asked, what about him? He didn't have the same logo on his phone. He turned his phone to show All Elite Wrestling. That episode of Being the Elite left us with nothing else except for knowing that All Elite Wrestling and Double or Nothing are legitimately going to happen. Now, I've also read that there's going to be a big rally on January 8th in Jacksonville, where they're going to make some more announcements, and we'll hopefully find out what's going on, what date is Double or Nothing, when is the whole product going to launch, who's going to be a part of the product, and will they actually have a TV deal? Because with no TV deal, it'll be interesting to see how they end up doing it. Maybe it'll be a digital service, much like how WWE is, and they'll be on the Fight TV app. We'll find out more on January 8th. But until then, we definitely know what the worst kept secret in wrestling was. All Elite Pro Wrestling is coming 
with that big announcement happening, it's going to have a lot of effect on what goes on with Ring of Honor and, of course, New Japan Pro Wrestling, especially with Wrestle Kingdom 13 coming up on Friday. Some other announcements that have been made reflecting that is that Tomatonga announced in a tweet that Jay White is now the new leader of the Bullet Club. He's the leader after only three months of being with Bullet Club. Pro Wrestling Tees has also announced that any Bullet Club shirts from the Elite members will no longer be uh, for sale after January 7th. The announcement stated that they will be forever gone as of that date and they'll no longer be available to get. So there's only a few days left if you want to get one for yourself. Go over to ProWrestlingTees.com to find out how you can get these rare designs from being the elite of being the Bullet Club. Plus, Bullet Club also announced that they're going to do a tailgate party happening in New Jersey during WrestleMania on April 7th. They're going to have their own little setup, tent, everything going to be legit, not just in a random parking lot, but they're going to have their own little tailgate party. And that's coming off the fact that that same weekend, they ended up selling out, along with New Japan Pro Wrestling, and Ring of Honor, they sold out MSG that same weekend. But with everything else going on, with All Elite Wrestling, WWE, somehow New Japan and Ring of Honor need to make their splash during that weekend and still be relevant here in North America. Hey, I'm Alec Realm, and you're listening to the Scumbags of Wrestling Podcast. Want to be a wrestler? The time is now to join the Tyson Dukes Wrestling Factory. The first class is going to graduate in October, and it's going to leave a lot of open space. Learn from one of Canada's best wrestlers and trainers around. Tyson has been wrestling since 1997 and has wrestled for Blood, Sweat, and Years, Border City Wrestling, Ring of Honor, Impact Wrestling, WWE, was part of the first Cruiserweight Classic, and one of the longest reigning champions for Smash Wrestling. Tyson just recently spent a week in Florida as a guest trainer at the WWE Performance Center. The Tyson Dukes Wrestling Factory is located at 309 Exeter Road in London, Ontario, and is open every Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday evening from 6 p.m. to 8.30. Find out why Tyson is one of the pillars of Smash Wrestling. The Tyson Dukes Wrestling Factory teaching the new generation of hopefuls into superstars. You're looking to get up super early on Friday morning, say like 2 a.m., you can catch New Japan Wrestling's Wrestle Kingdom 13. It's their biggest show of the year to start off the year. What great way to bring in 2019 that in four days after it starts, seeing New Japan's biggest show. You can catch it on the Fight TV app or through New Japan World. The pre-show has a gauntlet match of six-man tag team action with the winner getting a title shot the following day at their New Year's show. It'll feature some teams such as Chaos, Suzuki Gun, The Elite, the most violent players, the best friends, and a team consisting of Dave Finley, Yuji Nagata, and Jeff Cobb. That there is my pick for who would be winning the gauntlet match. The team with Jeff Cobb. The pre-show starts at 2 a.m. And then you can also catch the main show starting at 3 a.m. That show starts off with Kota Ibushi taking on Will Ospreay for the Never Openweight Championship. My pick for this one will see Kota Ibushi retaining his title. The IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Team titles will be on the line as Suzuki Gun puts the titles on the line against Rapungi 3000 and Bushi and Takaji. My pick for this one will see Rapungi 3000 
become the new tag team champions. Tomohiro Ishii will defend the British heavyweight title against Zack Sabre Jr. This is their fifth meeting, and both have gotten pinfalls on each other, and they're currently tied 2-2. So this is kind of the rubber match between them. And I almost see Zack Sabre Jr. coming out as the new British heavyweight champion. The Gorillas of Destiny will be defending their IWGP tag team titles in three-way as well, as they face off against Evil and Sonata and the Young Bucks. With the recent announcement of the All Elite Wrestling promotion, it's questionable whether or not the Young Bucks will be even staying around, or what any of the members of the Elite will be doing beyond Wrestle Kingdom 13. With that said, I'm going to stick with the Gorillas of Destiny, retaining their tag team titles. Cody will be defending his IWGP US title against Juice Robinson. Both these guys have had numerous matches against each other before, but each time Cody has come out with the victory. Both these guys are in interesting positions if you look at their history within the wrestling business itself because they both decided to take their careers into their own hands and leave the WWE and have both been successful outside of the machine. Once again, this is another match where a member of the All Elite uh, Pro Wrestling Group is going to be questioning whether they're still going to be associated with New Japan or focus their attention on this new venture of AEW. With that unknown factor, Juice Robinson is definitely going to be sticking around, so I'm picking Juice to win the title. Kushida is going to defend his IWGP Junior Heavyweight title against Ishimori. This one could go either way, with it being a great match, and the loser could go up in weight class instead of being at the Junior Heavyweight division, but I don't know if we want to see every title change hands on this. So I'm going to go with Kushida retaining his junior heavyweight title. Up next is like the only match that doesn't have a title involved with it as Okada is going to go against Jay White. And as reported earlier, Jay White has been declared the new leader of the Bullet Club. So with that said... I don't know, this might be the opportunity for him to establish himself if the Gorillas of Destiny are saying this is our new leader, he needs to step up and this could be his opportunity by being Okada in what could be considered an upset because ideally Okada should be taking the match over Jay White. Chris Jericho is set to defend his IWGP Intercontinental title against Naito and Jericho has only done three New Japan matches this year, along with then his matches that he's done with WWE, his own ship, and his surprise appearance on All In. The guy can pretty much call his shots, whatever he wants to do, and even at the age of 48, he's still got his pulse on what's going on in the wrestling world. Does that mean he's going to retain his Intercontinental title? I don't know about that. Because he, once again, is somebody who's been attached to the rumors of being one of the power players of All Elite Wrestling. If that's the case, he doesn't need to stick around and have the Intercontinental title. And at the same time, if he's only had it three times uh, wrestling, one time winning it and two times defending it, he's sort of being like the Brock Lesnar of New Japan. And they're going to want to take that off him and see where it goes from there. And if this is the new generation without the members of the elite in New Japan, New Japan's going to have to establish some new champions and make them power players on their own side. So, with that said, I see Naito taking the title from Chris Jericho. And finally, the main event of the whole show has Kenny Omega defending his IWGP Heavyweight Championship against the G1 winner, Tanahashi. Both these guys have a huge contrast in style from each other, so it could be interesting to see how these styles mesh together or if they're going to totally clash, but if history has anything to do with it, 
Kenny Omega has been able to have a great match with anybody he steps into the ring with, whether it was Jericho or Pentagon or anybody else this year. He's always been the match of the year contender every time he laces up his boots. But, as I stated a couple of times already during this review and predictions part, he's also one of those question marks of where his future lies. Is he going to go to WWE? Probably not. Is he going to stay with New Japan? Big question mark. Because New Japan has their relationship with Ring of Honor, and all these guys are done with Ring of Honor, and they're going to possibly be with All Elite Wrestling. If Kenny's not going with Cody and the Young Bucks, then he could still be with New Japan and retain that title. But if he's going to go with his friends, Cody and Matt and Nick Jackson, then there's no need for him to be able to stay around. And this is the opportunity, once again, like I said, that New Japan can establish new champions for them and have something to be proud of and vanquish these foreigners who may or may not be sticking around. So either way, whether or not Cody is able to bring Omega with him or not, I see Kenny Omega losing the IWGP heavyweight title to Tanahashi. So remember, the pre-show is at 2 a.m. on Friday morning with the main show happening at 3 a.m. And you can find it either on New Japan World or on the Fight TV app. This has been my look at Wrestle Kingdom 13. Feel free to send me your predictions or opinions. Bowman, and you're listening to the Scumbags Podcast. Do you like things a little hot and spicy? Well, come to the first annual Heat Wave Hot Sauce Expo, March 2nd, 2019, at Centennial Hall. Heat Wave Hot Sauce Expo is southwestern Ontario's home of heat. Enjoy your sauce and spicy food from over 40 international producers. All vendors are providing free samples of their sauces on nachos or pretzels, or you can buy some meaty chicken wings at the show and spice them up however you'd like, with hundreds of choices available from our vendors. Fans attending get a totally unique experience with an 80s theme motif and atmosphere on the show floor. The event will be licensed with craft beers and spirits available for consumption to pair with your perfect sauce, as well live podcasts, demonstrations, and competitions for those who wish to test their limits will take place on the heatwave stage. For fans of Spice or those just seeking an afternoon of heat, Heatwave is your place to go. Heatwave takes place Saturday, March 2nd at Centennial Hall in London, Ontario, Canada. Tickets available 
right now. This Sunday, January 6th, Impact Wrestling presents Homecoming, their first pay-per-view of 2019. It'll be available on pay-per-view or on the Fight TV app. This Thursday night at 10 p.m. will be the final episode of Impact on Pop TV, and it'll be also on the Fight Network here in Canada. And then they'll move to Fridays at 10 p.m. on Pursuit and Fight Network, respectively, in the Canada and U.S. markets. This Thursday show will be the go-home edition of Impact leading into Homecoming. Currently, there's only six matches scheduled to occur, but you never know what will come out of the final episode with more matches being announced as we go forward and get to the pay-per-view. Start off with the Ultimate X title. It's currently vacant since former champion Brian Cage cashed in the title for option C to go to the main event against Johnny Impact. However, it was declared that the Ultimate X structure would be set up and four people would be part of the X Division title match. After those four qualifying matches, we now have Jake Kreese, Ethan Page, Trey Miguel, and Rich Swan all going to be competing for that vacant title. While he certainly made an impact, no pun intended, since joining Impact Wrestling, Rich Swan would be your ideal candidate to win the title, as this match kind of suits his style. However, I'm going to go against that, and I'm going to choose Ethan Page as your next X Division champion. Moving along, I'll go for the Impact Wrestling Tag Team Championship match. LAX has definitely been the tag team of the year for Impact Wrestling and has carried the lion's share of that division on their shoulders. However, at the same time, the Lucha Brothers are definitely a team to be watching. They've been tied up with OVE and Sam McCallahan for most of the uh, latter part of 2018, but now this is their chance to be a tag team and go against the tag team champions. And I'm going to say that the Lucha Brothers take the tag team titles from LAX. Next up is going to be the Monsters Ball match, with Eli Drake taking on recent Hall of Fame inductee Abyss. This kind of started uh, back at Bound for Glory. While Abyss is the hardcore legend, and this is his match, the Monsters Ball, I don't think he's going to take it this time. He did get the upper hand on Eli Drake when he called out anybody to face him at Bound for Glory, but this time Eli knows who he's facing and is going to be ready to defeat Abyss in the Monsters Mall match. Up next in my list of predictions is the Falls Count Anywhere match between Moose and Eddie Edwards. Eddie Edwards just recently escaped the mental asylum thanks to help from Raven, and he's going to be ready to take on his former friend, Moose, who turned his back on him months ago. This match being Falls Count Anywhere, and the way things have gone since Slammiversary and Bound for Glory between these guys, all their matches have been hardcore, with use of kendo sticks and tables. A Falls Count Anywhere means the same thing can sort of happen again, and they'll allow Killer Cross... Raven, Tommy Dreamer, and an assortment of other who's who to be involved with this match since they're not on the card and can help out either way, depending on which side they want to associate themselves with. I'm going to go with Eddie Edwards to take the victory in this one as he's going to have a lot of support by the likes of Tommy Dreamer and Raven to end it all, even if Killer Cross does get involved. The Knockouts Championship will be on the line as champion Tessa Blanchard will defend her title against Taya Valkyrie in a rematch from Bound for Glory. Over the past weeks, things have gotten a little more intense and Tessa has been unstoppable until Gail Kim ended up stepping up and saying that she's not going to take anything from anybody and she's going to be inserting herself as a special guest referee for this matchup between the two ladies. This one here is a little bit harder to predict because it could go either way with Gil Kim being a factor. Does she call it down the middle 
and get attacked by Tessa Blanchard afterwards? Or does she cause Tessa to lose the title to Taya Valkyrie? Or does she actually side with Tessa, even though right now it looks like she's against what Tessa stands for? Gail Kim is definitely the wild card in this. Either way, I think somehow Tessa is going to retain the title and we'll end up seeing down the road Gail Kim versus Tessa Blanchard as Gail will need to come out of retirement to face off against Tessa in the future. And finally, the main event has Johnny Impact defending his Impact Wrestling Championship against Brian Cage. As said earlier, Brian Cage is using his option C and gave up the X Division title to be the number one contender for Johnny Impact and the championship. I was at the TV tapings in Toronto a few months ago where Phoenix took on Brian Cage, and Brian Cage actually moved around really well, uh, like he was a cruiserweight himself instead of the monster that he is in the brick house and wall that he is totally built out to be. As for Johnny Impact, I've always been a fan of him, even from his uh, days when he won Tough Enough and was Johnny Nitro, Johnny Mundo, John Morrison, all the other aliases that he's used. I've always been impressed with the guy. And he just was recently on this past season of Survivor. So regardless of where things are going politically in the background of things, this match is going to be really good. Now, the outcome is going to be my big question. Initially, Johnny Impact won the title because he had a lot of momentum. Yes. Was Austin Aries leaving? It appears to be that way. And it also, it didn't help that at the same time as him winning the title, it was getting ready for his aforementioned edition of Survivor. So it definitely was going to put some eyes on the product. Now that Survivor is done, Austin Aries is gone, and Impact is moving from Pop over to Pursuit, it would only make sense that somebody like Brian Cage, a fresh new face for the mainstream people to look at, leads a new version of Impact into the next phase of their existence as they move over to Pursuit. So, as much as I said I am a fan of Johnny Impact, there's also rumor that he could leave too, and you never know where he's going to end up. But because of the new era, because of how much even Brian Cage has been a great performer for Impact, I think it is his chance to step up and cashing in his option C was well worth it because he will be the next Impact Wrestling Champion. If Johnny is staying around, this would also make an opportunity for him to possibly turn heel and be a candidate to still continue a feud with Brian Cage going forward. So right there, those are the six matches that are going to happen this Sunday during Impact Wrestling's homecoming happening at the Asylum in Nashville, Tennessee, this Sunday, January 6th, on the Fight TV app or on pay-per-view. However you end up getting it, you can find it. But I still think there's going to be a couple other things going on because we still haven't found out anything about what's going on with Kira Hogan, some stuff with Allie, Sue Young, The Undead Realm, any of that is still not on this card, and there's many more participants like Willie Mack who could make their way onto the actual show before everything's all said and done. But those are the six matches that we definitely know about going into this Sunday's homecoming. Tyson Dukes is currently one half of the Smash Wrestling Tag Team Champions and one of the pillars of wrestling in Ontario. He's had a very impressive career over the past two decades, and it's only natural that aspiring wrestlers would want to learn from a veteran of his caliber. Since October of 2017, Tyson opened up the 
Tyson Dukes Wrestling Factory here in London, Ontario. Students learn all aspects of wrestling. The first graduates like Jim Strider, Violet Lee, and Jordan James are making their names for themselves on the indie scene. Whether you're a student or a supporter, you can now be a part of the club and purchase your own beautiful zip-up hoodie. They're just $40 up to extra large and $45 for larger sizes. Contact Tyson Dukes Wrestling Factory directly on Facebook to order yours today. Fireball Kid, Jordan James, and this is the Scumbags Wrestling Podcast. Hello. Do you or someone you know have a business that you'd love to have advertised here on our podcast? Well, give me a shout at our email address, scumbagswrestling at gmail.com, and let us know how we can help you advertise to the listeners of this podcast. We'll give your business a shout-out, including information on how people can reach out to you and information on your services. Are you looking for your own Scumbags Wrestling t-shirt so you can show off your Scumbags pride at your next local independent wrestling event? Well, I got the answer for you. You can go check out my friend Daryl over at Twisted Tees. He produces high-quality t-shirts with the most amazing up-to-date technology for printing shirts. And for just $25, you can get your own shirt. Whether it's a parody logo of Superstars Wrestling, Raw's War, the Survivor Series, a design inspired by Brock Lesnar's Suplex City, or the All In event, you can go check out Daryl and get your own shirt. You can be found at TwistedTeesMerch.com. Show your pride today. Order a t-shirt and stand out above the crowd. Over in WDE News, WDE finished off the year with some pre-taped shows instead of working on the holidays because of the way the schedule fell. So on December 28th in Detroit, they ended up recording Monday Night Raw, which was shown on December 31st for the New Year's Eve show. The show started off with a steel cage match featuring Dolph Ziggler taking on 
his former tag team partner, Drew McIntyre. Both guys were on the losing end of a triple threat match last week involving Finn Balor, who picked up the victory. Dolph Ziggler had the early advantage and was on top, but unfortunately, that didn't last long, and Drew McIntyre came back and scored the victory after delivering two Claymore kicks and scoring the pinfall. He later on did another Claymore kick to Dolph with his head in between a steel chair and the cage, and a fourth Claymore after uh, he cut a promo and Dolph was begging him to bring it. And unfortunately, that wasn't going to stop Drew McIntyre and he hit a fourth Claymore. Ideally, they should put an end to their rivalry, even though it, it was a very short uh, term between the two former tag team partners. Drew had also stated that he's going to be part of the Royal Rumble, and with this vicious side of him that he uh, showed to end the match with his four Claymores and everything, uh, definitely is elevating him to the next level where he could be in contention for the WWE Championship or Universal title, for that matter, by WrestleMania. Seth Rollins came out and was demanding a rematch with Dean Ambrose for the Intercontinental title. Unfortunately for Seth, out came Triple H and Shane McMahon, and Triple H reminded him that going forward, there is no automatic rematch clause in WWE if you lose your title. It was later announced that Seth was going to take on the almighty Bobby Lashley later on in the show, and Shane McMahon also made an announcement that there will be a fresh start battle royal with the winner challenging Dean Ambrose to the Intercontinental title later on in the evening. In the end, this whole promo kind of set up Seth Rollins as being the number one babyface for the Raw brand, even getting a seal of approval from Triple H over their history and how much Triple H believed in him then and still believes in him now. And when Seth Rollins said that he was busting his ass every week, unlike Brock Lesnar, who's the champion, he definitely put himself in that prime position that even if he wins the Royal Rumble and Brock Lesnar is somehow successful in beating Braun Strowman at the Rumble, those two could meet each other at WrestleMania 35. After the break, there was the number one contenders battle royal for the Intercontinental title, and it featured such stars as Finn Balor, Baron Corbin, the Lucha House Party, Titus O'Neil, Apollo Crews, Kurt Hawkins, and Zack Ryder, and a few others. Apollo Crews was able to get rid of No Way Jose and Victor of the Ascension, but after the break, he saw Finn Balor get rid of the Lucha House Party, all three members, before being eliminated by Baron Corbin from behind. Apollo Crews was able to also get rid of the B-team, and the final four were down to Zack Ryder, Kurt Hawkins, Apollo Crews, and Baron Corbin. Corbin got rid of Zack Ryder. Kurt Hawkins almost got rid of Baron Corbin, but it was stopped, and in the end, it was Apollo Crews who got rid of Baron Corbin to make the last elimination and score himself a number one contender spot for the Intercontinental title against Dean Ambrose at the end of the night. When we got back from break, Baron Corbin still hadn't left the ringside area and was complaining about all what happened, and he was interrupted by Elias, who actually got a full song in stating that Corbin is a loser. Inevitably, this did turn into a brawl between Baron Corbin and Elias, which then Baron Corbin escaped by running up the ramp. There was a long six-woman tag team match involving Bailey, Sasha Banks, and Ember Moon taking on the Riot Squad. This match went all over the place uh, between the six ladies. There was a lot of concentration on the Riot Squad focusing on Sasha and keeping her away from her corner. But when Sasha finally made the tag, it was not enough for the Riot Squad to hold off. And Ember Moon whipped uh, Ruby Riot into Morgan out on the floor. And Bailey got tagged in and hit a elbow drop on Sarah Logan to get the victory. 
It seems as though the tag team titles will not be brought in to, for the women's division until after WrestleMania, as the commentating team spent a lot of time putting over the Riot Squad as being the first team who could win the gold after WrestleMania. The matchup between Lashley and Seth Rollins was actually pretty good until Leo Rush kept on getting involved and interfering. At one point, he made Seth Rollins look like a complete joke by ducking under him until Seth got his hands on him, but then it was too late because Lashley got a hold of Seth, and Seth had enough of everything going wrong for him in that match with the interference of Leo Rush, and the frustration came out, and he ended up taking out Lashley with the chair, which he got then disqualified, and Lashley won by disqualification due to Seth using the chair. Rollins continued to use the chair and beat up on Leo Rush and Lashley, sort of showing his frustration and maybe even giving himself another edge uh, stepping up, much like how Vince McMahon wanted AJ Styles to do, and this uh, new level of Seth's character. Last week, Rhino returned to the WWE scene dressed up as Santa Claus as he took out Jinder Mahal and the Singh brothers. Well, this week, in Detroit, which is... Rhino's home area, he teamed with Heath Slater in a three-on-two match against the Singh brothers and Jinder Mahal. Unfortunately for Rhino and Slater, the numbers were too much, and one of the Singh brothers ended up distracting Rhino by grabbing his ankle, and Mahal took advantage and delivered the Colossus for the pinfall victory. With just over an hour to rest, Apollo Crews was then given his Intercontinental title shot against Dean Ambrose. Ambrose controlled the match early, working over Apollo Crews' head in a very slow match. Crews fought back and scored a near fall with a roll-up, and then hit a standing shooting star press, and earned another two-count. Hit a belly-to-belly over the head, uh, followed by Crews setting him up for a gorilla press, but while he was pressing Ambrose up, Ambrose raked his eyes, and could not escape a sit-out powerbomb. The match went to the outside, and as Apollo threw Ambrose back in and got back into the ring himself, he was hit with dirty deeds, and Ambrose scored the pinfall and retained his Intercontinental title. Ambrose's heel style seems to be intentionally going at a slow pace, which kind of takes away from the matches. I know he's a heel, but if you're going to take the audience out, it's not going to work out too well. And just like his world title reign, this intercontinental title reign isn't going to be too well either. The main event for the evening was actually Ronda Rousey and Natalia taking on Tamina and Nia. Earlier in the evening, Natalia was having an interview where she was then approached by Tamina and Nia and attacked. This actually set up the tag team match as the main event for the night. Natalia and Ronda started off strong and took the fight to Naya and Tamiya really quickly. Both heels tried to vacate the ring and were hit with a crossbody from the top rope to the floor by Ronda. Eventually, the heels took advantage and cut off the ring and took advantage of Natalia, frustrating Ronda, who couldn't get into the match. Eventually, Natalia made the hot tag to Ronda, who quickly got in and hit a jumping knee to Naya's face and also hit an elbow for two count. Tamiya scored a blind tag for her team and hit Ronda from behind. Ronda was able to get an armbar onto Tamina, but was stopped by a leg drop from Naya. Natalia was able to recover and take the fight to Naya on the floor and Ronda countered a superfly splash and made Tamina tap out with an armbar finisher. Once again, Ronda had been protected with being put into a tag team match and still looked really good. It was a pretty decent finish for Raw for the end of the year. I don't know if it was going to do well in the ratings like the last couple weeks have been plummeting. However, we'll see what happens next week when they're back live and... You see what the promise from the McMahons actually is and what will actually happen. Over on SmackDown, they recorded on the 29th in Pittsburgh.
It would mark the return of John Cena to WWE programming. Last week's show ended with AJ Styles laying out Vince McMahon, who wanted to get a more fire under AJ Styles and see who the real Styles was. The New Day had a celebration announcing that they'll be part of the Royal Rumble, and they're no longer going to be tossing out pancakes. It was announced that there would be a fatal five-way main event to determine who would be the number one contender for Dana Bryan going against him at the Royal Rumble. The only four out of the five that we knew were going to be in the match were Mustafa Ali, Rey Mysterio, AJ Styles, and Randy Orton. The fifth and final spot was going to be determined by the first match of the night as Samoa Joe took on Jeff Hardy. Samoa Joe would go on to win the match and be the fifth and final member of the Fatal Five-Way. AJ Styles and Shane McMahon teased the confrontation backstage when AJ acted like he was going to go after Vince McMahon again. Shinsuke Nakamura interrupted Rusev's celebration of his U.S. title championship victory, leaving both he and Lana hurting in the ring. It looked like we were going to get a Mandy Rose versus Naomi match, but it turned into Sonya Deville taking on Naomi. Naomi was distracted by a picture that Mandy Rose said that she sent to Jimmy Uso of her in a towel. Of course, this distraction allowed Sonya Deville to pick up the victory. John Cena may have returned to WWE TV, but was interrupted by the man, Becky Lynch, who said she's now the man around here and taking his spot. Andrade Cien Almas and Zelina Vega came out and set up a tag team match between the four of them. In a very bold move, as Cena was about to beat Almas, Becky tossed Cena from the ring and made Selena Vega uh, submit for the victory. There was a backstage segment involving Triple H talking to Charlotte Flair, Carmella, Becky Lynch, and Asuka about who would be the next contender for the women's SmackDown title. They said they'll figure it out later. The main event saw AJ Styles win a fatal five-way match between himself, Randy Orton, Samoa Joe, Rey Mysterio, and Mustafa Ali. AJ won the match by pinning Randy Orton. This now puts AJ Styles as a new number one contender against Daniel Bryan at the Royal Rumble on January 27th. Later on tonight, on 205 Live on WD Network, you'll see the matches of Kalisto taking on Leo Rush and Akira Tozawa against Drew Gulak. The winners of those two matches will become the contenders for Buddy Murphy going into the Royal Rumble with one more match the following week involving Cedric Alexander and Hideo Itami to round out the four-way that will happen at the Royal Rumble for the Cruiserweight title. NXT will be a two-hour special this week on the WWE Network as they feature their year-end awards. Plus, there'll be a match between Cassius Ono and Matt Riddle. I'm Kyle Boone, one handsome SOB, and you're listening to the Scumbags Wrestling Podcast. Canada's original and best horror weekend, Shockstock, the all-nighter freighter, it comes to London Ramada in April 26th to the 28th. Already announced for the event is Sleazy P. Martini of Guar, and he's coming to Shockstock 2019. So you want to meet the manager with the mostest? You're going to get your wish. The Art of Clown, David Howard Thorne, makes his way to Shockstock. Don't you dare miss it. April 26th to the 28th, 2019, London, Ontario, the Ramada Inn, it's Shockstock. And that concludes our show for this week. Thank you again for joining me on this week's episode. Remember to like, share, and subscribe to this podcast, however you're listening to it, whether it's Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, or Google Podcasts. You can join us on our Facebook page, Scumbags Wrestling Podcast, or our Scumbags Wrestling group over on Facebook. You can also see us on Twitter at Scumbags Canada and over on 
Instagram at Scumbags Wrestling. Feel free to drop me a line at any time with your suggestions, or if you want to be a part of this podcast, give me a shout and we'll get you in there and have our own roundtable or one-on-one discussion about the world of wrestling and what's coming up. On our next episode, we'll give you the results from the Smash Wrestling Awards for 2018, both the official ones and the unofficial ones. We'll do the predictions for Heavy as the Head happening in Kitchener, along with results from Wrestle Kingdom 13 and Impact Wrestling's Homecoming. We'll have a lot more information on what's going on with All Elite Wrestling because they'll be doing a special press conference and rally on January 8th, right before SmackDown in the same city. 2019 is definitely shaping up to be a great year, and it's only the first week of January. Can only imagine what the rest of the year will have in store for us. So until next time, thanks again, and we'll see you on our next episode. Have a good one. Granted, I understand it's essentially the same unappreciative crowd full of scumbags from last night.